What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys, Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicone. And tonight we're presenting episode four of The Quick Cage. Frank, what movie are we talking about tonight? Tonight we're going to talk about uh, The Weatherman, which is like 2003 or four, I think. Yeah, I remember, I remember this movie. Yeah. This, yeah, this is around the time that um, we were watching everything, I think. Yeah, so... We did not watch... I did not watch this in the theater. Well, no. So the trailer came out, and the trailer was set to um, Iggy Pop's The Passenger. And it was like this fantastic trailer that looked really weird because it was him walking around with like a bow and arrow and stuff. And right, um, yeah. Gore Verbinski directed it, and he had just um, I guess he had The Ring a few years before that, and The Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. So I was actually super excited to watch this movie because I thought it was going to be really good. Yeah, and then for whatever reason, um, didn't watch it like when it came out in the theaters. Like it kind of came and went. And there was a few times where I would see it, like, you know, we, so Chris and I used to do these, um, Monday runs where we would go to, uh, um, Best Buy and Borders and then get coffee. And I would spend inordinate amounts of money on DVDs. Um, and it was one of the ones where, like, I'd pick it up and think about it and then just put it back. So I actually had never seen this movie until I watched it last week. Um, probably could have gone my whole life without watching it, like <laughs> having, having now seen it. Um, so yeah, so this is, this, I, I think I got a, yeah, you gave me a spoiler last week about a subplot that I've, right. that I've thought about a couple of times since then, and it's one of the more disturbing it's subplots I've ever heard in my life, so I am vaguely interested in, yeah, um, hearing about this movie. So, you, you made the complaint a couple of weeks ago when we did the winter movies about, um, like white people movies. Uh-huh. And I made the argument that The Ice Storm is just, like, a good movie, like, not necessarily a white... Like, this movie is everything that you hate about The Ice Storm, but just done really poorly. Right. Like, it's literally... Yeah, like I said, I remember the trailer for this and everything, and it definitely is... Yeah, it was 2005 it came out. 2005, okay, that makes and, sense. And, it, yeah, it fits in perfectly Weird with that... Weird that we wouldn't have seen it. That white quirk, quirkiness yeah. of the time period. Yeah. So, the basic premise of the movie is... um. Cage plays a uh, weatherman in Chicago. Um, shit, Mark, Mark Spritz. I can't remember his first name, even though they say it like a hundred times. But his last name is Spritz. That's the David Spritz. David Spritz. Um, that's the funny thing because it's like, oh, what a perfect name for a weatherman. Um, he's pretty successful guy. Like he talks pretty early on about how he makes two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, like doing the weather for the local Chicago station. He is an absolutely miserable human being, like with no redeeming qualities. Um, divorced from his wife. Doesn't know how to talk to his kids. Father, um, played by uh, Michael, Michael Caine, is super disappointed in him and like what he's become. <clears throat> um, so anyway, so the basic premise is him like, 
moping through life and trying to build like connections with you know these people that he cares about but failing because he's not very bright and just generally like not that good of a person okay give me an example like what like what what's so early on in the movie he goes to um his ex and says that he thinks they should go to therapy because they don't communicate well and they should communicate to be better parents okay so they decide to go to this therapy session where it's like a trust building exercise like where you're learning to gain your partner's trust and the exercise they do is you're supposed to write down one thing that you don't like about your partner and then fold it up and give it to them and they never look at it like that's the trust thing is that they're never going to look at it so nicholas cage immediately goes in the bathroom and reads the thing that his ex wrote about him which is that he wrote a really bad book at one point and she doesn't like it at all and she's never told him she doesn't like it because he's like so invested in this book he wrote and then he immediately brings it up like she's all happy they go to dinner she's like oh that was a really good exercise like i feel like we're actually you know making progress and he's like you know my book wasn't science fiction it's just a thriller that's got science in it and she's like you asshole like you weren't supposed to read it and you read it immediately i'm gonna defend this guy i don't like that exercise well right 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 it's the i don't think i'd be able to not look just don't look or if you do look you just never bring it up that's the trick right? right so i would look and never bring it so up she then pulls out use um, it passive aggressively she then pulls out the thing that he wrote about her and he wrote that she gives really bad blowjobs and he thinks blowjobs are important and he doesn't like the fact that she doesn't think blowjobs are important and she basically says that he has disgusting legs and an awful dick and she never wanted to have it in her mouth <laughs> like then that, that might actually be a quote from the movie it was something along those lines um like he finds weird ways to try and bond with his kids so the whole movie is nothing but subplots like there's no the the plot of this movie is that the today show like the film their film equivalent of the today show which is like to like good morning with brian gumbel or something like that Mm -hmm. is interested in him becoming their new like national weather anchor so they want to bring him to new york and interview him and so that's like the running thread of the movie is that he's thinking about like he's going through interviews for this job and auditions or whatever so the whole movie is just subplots about like how completely unable he is to deal with any other relationship in his life Mm -hmm. like so number one he's he's famous because he's a tv personality right in like the second like second or third largest city in the country and he hates his job like he hates the only thing he likes about the celebrity is he got to cheat on his wife with, like, the girls from Oktoberfest because, like, they recognized him. And, like, again, to the the, the Nicolas Cage, like, is always going to have a sex scene right. thing. Um, He has one of the most awkward sex scenes with this, like, buxom blonde where he's making, like, almost like the Donald Sutherland from the end of... um or yeah donald sutherland from the end of invasion of the body snatchers face yeah like the whole time like he doesn't look like he's enjoying himself and he's got this weird like o-shaped mouth and his eyes are bugging out it's really awkward um so he tries to connect with his daughter his daughter's 12 she's going through puberty she's like a little little overweight and one of the things that you find out early in the movie, and this is the subplot. So, so horrifying. I get... The subplot you alluded to is that the daughter has not yet learned, like, how to not dress like a child. Like, she's still dressing like a child 
even though she's like becoming womanly, like by going through puberty. And she wears these really tight pants. So all the kids at school call her camel toe. And he overhears this at some point and is talking to his wife about how awful it is. So, I mean, number one, it's really kind of awkward because they then show like a montage of like women with camel toe. Like what? Yeah, it's really tell me. I know I forgot about that part until just now. (laughs) So it's this montage of like women with like camel toe and they just show like like quick like shots on the screen of it. To, to to inform to illustrate the, to you as the viewer what a what ca- what a camel toe is right so even though they've explained it in the movie like they want you to see so you have no misunderstanding when you're looking at this 12 year old child like what you're looking at basically right show don't tell right. so they awesome. he takes her to new york with him for one of his um auditions and they're walking through central park and he's like you ever um you ever get bullied at school you know like kids call you names and she's like i don't know what you mean <clears throat> and he says you know like maybe like you don't run as fast as the other kids they call you slow poke or you know other things like i don't know like camel toe and she's like oh yeah i get called that and he's like well what do you think that means and she's like well camel's got to walk through the desert and the desert's really hot so they got really tough toes so what i think it means is that i'm tough and that other people think i'm tough and he's like that's exactly what it means you are a camel toe and that's the scene and it's supposed to be this like i think kind of poignant like bonding moment but it's just really weird and like awkward (coughs) oh the then he it's goes supposed and buys. To be, it's supposed to be like a heart. Like, is, yeah. this the, is this the climax of their story? Uh, no. Well, sort of. The, <laughs> the, the the trip to New York is like kind of the last thing that really matters with them. So he takes her like dress shopping so she can like start dressing more like adult. Okay. And that scene's whatever. It's, it's weird. Like Nicolas Cage has this thing in movies where he's like watching his children get dressed a lot. Like it happens in several movies. <laughs> And, like, saying, like, how hot they look. Like, she's coming out dressed like, um, like Audrey Hepburn in Roman Holiday or something. And he's like, oh, yeah, you look really good. Do a spin for me. Let me see what you, and, you know, it's just weird. Yeah. Um, so, the other subplot also comes to a head at this point. Here's a, here's a question, though, real quick. Is, how, how much of this do you think is Nicolas Cage influencing the, like, the, the plot elements of movies sometimes when this weird shit happens? At this point, I don't think it is. I think this you is think just, it's just the writer. Yeah, I think this is how the movie was written. Okay. Right. I because I looked to see if he was like an executive producer right. or anything on it. He's not. He was just cast in okay. it. So, just a really weird, like poorly written role. Okay, so the camel toe subplot. Okay, what what what's the so other the other subplot? subplot is that his son, who's like fifteen or sixteen in the movie, is in strength training classes, and his strength training clothes coach is trying to molest him so he's like kind of grooming him oh fuck right as like so they have this scene where the coach like sees him shopping in the mall and is like licking his lips and like goes over and he's like oh i see you like that sweater you want me to buy that sweater for you i get a deep discount i want to see you try that sweater on and then later there's this just scene where they're at the coach's house like the kid and the coach and the coach is like let's see how your muscles look take your shirt off oh let's take some pictures of you and he's like taking pictures of the kid like yeah flex like yeah let me see it so then while they're in new york for the audition he gets a phone call and finds out that the coach tried to give the kid a blowjob in the car and so the kid like hit him 
and the coach called the police and said the kid like just assaulted him so then the kid got arrested so the culmination of that subplot is Nicolas Cage goes to molester coach's house and beats the shit out of him and tells him that you better like take back what you said or else you'll get it again and then I guess that resolves everything um so so both subplots with the kids one involves the idea that this little 12 year old girl right she's 12 i think has a camel toe and the son is being is number one completely oblivious to the fact that this guy's trying to molest him which is completely obvious in every scene that it happens in and two like actually like the guy attempts to molest him which is like horrifying anyway (laughs) really uncomfortable when you're watching it like i think it's supposed to be uncomfortable but i don't know like it also might maybe they thought it would be funny it's not funny like it's just really like weird um okay but both of those things revolve around the fact that Nicolas cage can't communicate with his children and doesn't have a relationship with them like that's what it's trying to build so he also like his daughter man is the most abused like character in the movie so they go to this um winter like festival thing that the tv station he works for organizes and they have a three-legged sack race on the ice where they got to try and like ice skate but like two of their legs are bound together in a sack. Okay. And they end up falling over because he's like, Nick, like Nicholas Cage is like six something and she's like probably like four feet tall. Mm-hmm. So because they're such different sizes, like they fall. Yeah. And she hurts herself and he makes her get back up and finish the sack race, <laughs> which causes her to tear her ACL and MCL, <laughs> even though the whole time she's saying, like, Dad, it hurts, it hurts. And he's like, No, no, no. We can't quit in front of all these people. We gotta finish this race. So she actually ends up with the ACL injury oh, yeah, out yeah. of the sack race? Like three quarters of the or a quarter of the movie, she's in a um leg brace with crutches. <laughs> because he like so he brings her home and he's incredulous as to why anyone would be angry at him for like the daughter getting injured. And so the subplot with Okay, that's like that's actually funny. It's not funny when it well, I don't know. I don't know if you're supposed to laugh at that or not. That's the thing is like it's it's listed as a dark comedy, but I don't know what's supposed to be funny and not because it's also <laughs> weird that it's like, am I supposed to laugh at this? It's or? funny in like an asshole kind of way. Yeah. Like Some you're of such the Nick an Cage asshole that is... like you make your daughter get up and back up to do the sack race and make her tear her ACL. So then he realizes that he doesn't understand his daughter at all and he needs to try and figure out a way to bond with her. So he's like, you know, like what, what, what would you like to learn how to do? And she's like, oh. I think I'd like to learn how to shoot a bow and arrow. And he's like, oh, that's cool. Let's go and do it. So he buys her a bow and arrow, and she hates it, but he keeps trying to force her into it. So then he takes the bow and arrow and starts, like, practicing archery himself. So he becomes, like, a really proficient archer. Um, And then later finds out I, – I don't even know how that even matters. But it, it's, it's, it's really just to get him to the point where he can have a bow and arrow and carry it around because it's, like, weird. Right. I guess, like, that's the quirky thing. Yeah. Um. Then he finds out that she actually meant that she wanted to, like, hunt with a bow and arrow. Mm. And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So, like, he only wants to bond when it's something that he might want to do. Right. And she never wanted to do it, so they finally, like, give that up. They actually really just kind of bond over him buying her clothes (laughs) is the end result. Right. And, like, understanding that, like, Women power. (laughs) Right. Um, So the ex-wife has a boyfriend. The ex-wife has a boyfriend. That is a non-character in the movie. He's just there for Nicolas Cage to call him, like, a dildo and, like, a cocksucker and then hit him at one point for no reason. Um, Because the guy, like, goes to the son's rescue when he gets molested and, like, tries to help him and is, like, 
he's really upset and I was just trying to be there for him. And Nicolas Cage just like smacks him because Nicolas Cage can't stand the idea of this guy like being a better father to his son than he is. Or getting blowjobs. Well, right, well, who knows? Maybe she doesn't like his dick either. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then the subplot with Michael. This sounds like a, what it sounds like is somebody tried to write a Wes Anderson movie and had no idea like how to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's accurate. So the subplot with Michael Caine is that Michael Caine is a really famous author. Okay. Like a really well-respected, like, f- like giant figure in the literary world, but he has cancer. And so Nicolas Cage is trying to understand how to like help his dad, like deal with cancer and, but doesn't know how to do it and keeps failing at that as well. Like, mm. ba- so basically this character has no idea how to interact with other human beings and never learns a lesson. Like that's the movie. Okay. Oh, so-, so he gets the job. He gets offered the job in New York uh-huh. and then never calls, doesn't call him back for like days. And they're like, we really want to give you this job, but we got to move on. And he's just like ignoring their calls because he's got on Wii or something. Okay. Because I don't know. That, that that part doesn't really make any sense either. But then he decides to take... Oh, because he thinks that he's going to get back together with the ex and they're all going to move to New York. And then she's like, I'm marrying Russ or whatever, her boyfriend. Mm. And then he gets all depressed. and But then he takes the job in New York and that's it. Hold like, on. So, well, I mean, that's probably like is the best thing that best thing that could possibly happen right i mean probably like like from, because it's like he, he's not going to at least destroy his people's lives anymore at least his family's lives right well his dad dies okay so the dad does die yeah oh and that's the other thing too is he has this um he has this uh oh no i'm sorry so the dad's not dead what? they do a living funeral for Twist. the dead so the dad can see um see everyone before he dies he wants to have everyone gathered together and like celebrate his life okay and so as nicholas cage is about to deliver this monologue he's like when i look at my father the first thing i think of is the song like a rock and then the power goes out and he can't finish his monologue and so that's the only thing that he's ever said about his dad in front of people and then there's this another supposedly like poignant moment where the dad's like where michael michael kane's like what did you mean by that? And Nicolas Cage explains it, and Michael Caine's like, oh, that's real nice, or something. I don't know. And then that's the end of that. But, oh, so, there's another sub. So the other subplot okay. is that people keep throwing things at him when he's on the road. Right. And so I've that, seen I've seen YouTube stuff of this. Like It was part of the trailer that we get hit with a um, Frosty, uh-huh. like, on the street. Right. Because it was supposed to be, like, here's this everyman who's getting, like, put upon by everyone else. But it's just something that people think it's funny to throw food at the weatherman. So there's another montage where it shows everything. Does it explain ever... why? Just because they think it's funny. I don't know. He's like, oh, it's just something that happens when you're famous. So people come up to him and ask him for autographs and stuff, and he's just a dick. <laughs> like, he denies that he's who he is, or, like, uh-huh. he just wants people to leave him alone. And people are just trying to be like, oh, hey, like, you know, can I get your autograph? Like, like, like seeing you on the news. And he's like, oh, get the fuck away from me. Like, I just want to be left alone. So this man who's sleeping with like, like cheating on his wife with like attractive blonde women, making what I think is like in two thousand five two hundred and fifty grand, probably a decent amount of money to make in even in Chicago, right? Miserable with what he does. Doesn't have to. He's not even a meteorologist. He has a meteorologist that works for him. He's just a guy that delivers the weather, because he's good at like working in front of a green screen. Like he knows, like <laughs> how to his... like point to like the jet stream and how to like find montana like on a map and stuff so 
so he's yeah. not even a meteorologist. No, that's 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 another like ten he's minutes. The face of the, movie. of the meteorologist. Yes, meteorologist is this like schlub named Carl or something that like, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, you embarrassed me yesterday because I said it was good. so. It takes place in the winter. And he said it was going to be like 50 degrees in Chicago, which is ridiculous. Right, yeah. And the guy's like, well, it's all just guesses anyway. Like, we're just like making educated guesses based on where like we think like the wind is going to blow systems. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, well, you're educated guesses make me look really dumb. And it's like, well, dude, you don't, you're, you are dumb. <laughs> like, it's right. not the educated guesses. Right. So that's it. A lot of really uncomfortable a lot of filler. stuff. It's a lot of filler in this movie, isn't there? Well, that's all the movie is because there really yeah. is no plot to the movie. Because, like, what you described to me feels like it's, like, 40 minutes of screen time. Yeah, we'll stretch that. Well, there's other, like, small things that happen, too, that don't really matter at all. Are there cameos by, like, media personalities in this? Brian Gumble. Brian Gumble. okay. I think he's the only one. He's the only yeah. one I remember. Gotcha. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a really, it's a really flat and gray movie. Like, there's not much color in it because it's in Chicago in the winter, so, like, everything's just, like icy and snow covered mm-hmm. and i don't know i mean i guess the what point you, yeah okay yeah good i guess the point of the movie is like a man going through a midlife crisis and but it's like you never get the impression he was ever a good father or a good husband or a happy person or a good son like you get the impression he's always just been this awful person and he just moves to another city like, he doesn't become a better person. I don't think he ever really understands. So the the thing that he thinks made him get divorced from his wife was they ordered takeout from a Chinese restaurant. And she told him to make sure that he gets, maybe it wasn't a Chinese restaurant. But she told him to make sure that he gets tartar sauce because she got, like, fish. Okay. And while he's walking... Another implausible thing, like in knowing how, like they live in like a like a in Boston, but he's got to drive across like this like these plains to get to like his kid's school. Like he walks from his suburban Chicago home in like a giant like you know several hundred thousand dollar like house mm-hmm. into the city to the takeout place, which yeah that, that wouldn't happen like that. So he walks there, and as he's walking there, he's behind a black lady with a really nice ass Mm -hmm. and you get to hear his internal monologue where he keeps repeating, get the tartar sauce, get the tartar sauce. And he's like, want to bury my face in that ass. And like, it's just, it goes on for like three minutes where he's just like standing behind this woman at like a, like a crosswalk and like, Oh, I want to want to get down in there. want to put my face in that tartar sauce. want to got to get tartar sauce. And then like something distracts him. And he's like, Oh, look over there. And then he doesn't get the tartar sauce. Then he lies about them being out of tartar sauce, and she calls the place, and they're like, nah, we have tartar sauce, and they get divorced. So, but that's like I thought him. this was going to be, like, really, like, funny, and all I'm left feeling is disgusted right. by this you don't, movie. You don't feel good watching no. it. No. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking about is this, I looked up the screenwriter, like, just to see what else he's done, because, like, whoever wrote this movie I is just... I don't like this person. Well, I mean, they don't have any... I, maybe they're miserable, too. I don't know. Oh, he also deletes his book. Like, because he goes back and reads it and realizes that it's shit. And deletes it. And then his father tries to, like, tell him that it's, like, okay. It just needs some work. And he's like, oh, I deleted it. I think... I don't remember how that subplot ends. 
That's towards the end of the movie when I was just like, God, this thing just needs to be over. Do you know what the runtime is on this? Uh, two hours, I think. I don't yeah, know. Two, yeah, that's, that's, that's way too long. Maybe less. Way I too can't long remember. for that movie. That was one of those days where I watched like six movies. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it filled a portion of my day, however long it was. Jesus. Do you know what this made in the box office? Uh, I don't know, like $17 million? Yeah, $19 million Yeah. off a $22 million budget. I mean, that, so that was the thing is like it, um, it's only 102 minutes. It came out and I really wanted to see it and then it was gone in like two weeks and I just never had the chance to watch it. So probably for the best that I never did. Rotten Tomatoes consensus is with fine performances and a dark, dry sense of humor. The weatherman is mostly cloudy with occasional rays of sunshine. Oh, yeah. I don't know what those rays of sunshine are. Okay, here, yeah, here, I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm done with this movie. I don't like I don't the like Nicolas Cage performance is fine. It's just a really bad character. He's not like. Sometimes Nicolas Cage can make a character worse because of like his interpretation of what that character is, where he delivers dialogue weird or like has weird mannerisms for no happen, reason. Yeah, with him. But in this movie, like he's fine. He's just playing like he's delivering the dialogue as it's written, and he's the character is just like the worst human being. Like, what I was thinking the other day after I watched this movie is you watch a movie like Stepfather, the Terry O'Quinn movie, where, like, he's legitimately a villain. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, Nick Cage's character in this movie is worse Hmm. than, like, an actual, like, horror movie villain. Just because, like, I mean, seriously, he he cripples his daughter because he wants to, like, complete a race, a meaningless, like, race at a company that's, that's That's the funniest thing out of this whole thing to me. Because and what I mean is like it's 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 a good heel move. Yeah. Well, like if, you, if you want to if you want to build up somebody as a heel, is like yeah, make. It. But that's the thing is like that's like the mommy dearest like hitting him with the hitting him with the coat hanger thing, <laughs> you know where he's like we gotta finish this race. I'm not gonna be embarrassed in front of my peers, and it like cripples her, and it's just like haha, <laughs> she's on crutches. So, okay, let's let's do two minutes of of psychoanalysis here on. Nicholas Cage, because I, I want to do this. David David Spritz, yeah. Oh, his his last name isn't Spritz. He changed his name so he'd be a more attractive weatherman. Okay, so he wasn't EP on this though. You said right? So, I don't think he was. Um, it doesn't look. feel like it's a it's a thing that he would be an executive producer on. But no. <clears throat> uh, yeah, I don't. No, he's not. He's not a producer on it. So. So I guess it's hard. If he was EP, like I'd I'd try to read more into it. <clears throat> but this is when he was still just kind of a normal actor. Like yeah, he'd had yeah, some really yeah. bad movies leading up to this, but because Nick Cage is a weird dude in real life. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. What were his relationships? It was um what, Patricia Arquette back in the day, like the in the eighties, right? Like eighties, early nineties, or something like that. Is that right? Weren't He's, they married? Maybe they're together, and they're um they do that uh bringing out the dead movie together. Oh, that's interesting. I wonder if they. Were I don't know if they were married at that point. Um, Lisa Marie Presley. Lisa Marie Presley, I remember right. Right, and. Oh, uh, and then I don't know after that. I know he's been, I, I know that there was a couple years ago he was like married for like four days. I remember like reading somewhere right. and got it annulled. Um, I kind of imagine. There's, there's a lot of weird sex stuff in like his movies. Yeah, he does do a lot of that. 
I, I always sort of imagine that he's just like his character in Snake Eyes in real life. Like, yeah, just I, like kind of a... I don't think I've seen Snake Eyes all the way through. I think I've just seen pieces, bits and pieces of it. I can't. I am not looking forward to talking about that. That's, <laughs> that, that's a bad movie. I don't know. I, you know, kind of like, I think he's into like weird occult stuff. Like I kind of get that impression and maybe, maybe not occult, but like mysticism or whatever. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was married to Patricia Arquette from 95 to 2001. Then Lisa Marie Presley from 2002 to 2004. Then somebody named Alice Kim from 2004 to 2016. Oh, that's, she's in movies with him too. Is she? Okay. Mm. And then this, this woman, Erica, something that, uh, yeah, that's the four-day marriage from last year. <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, what's your Nicholas? What What do you want to psychoanalyze? About I, I, well, I don't Nicholas? know. If, I'm I, I'm rethinking him now because if he's not an EP, I think it's hard to. But I just he just feels drawn to. He feels just like he ends up with a lot of, in a lot of movies with material that has like weird sex stuff in it. He does. There's a lot. It, it happens. It. And it's almost like the stuff he's EPs is an EP on that you found this pattern where it's like he finds some like you know young attractive right. like woman to like be a love interest. It's almost like he's like using that and trying to normalize himself in some ways. Hmm. I want I want to see if this this pattern continues. I mean I think it's like, just I, I think it's I, just I, I think he's a fucking freak. I think he's weirdo. Maybe well yeah. I think it's just his ego. It's like you know he's. He's always trying to play the leading man role. Like, he wants to be Harrison Ford, basically, but he's, like, low-rent Harrison Ford, he's like, all even, the time. He's not even that. Right. Oh, that's right. He named his son Kal-El, didn't he? Did he? Oh, yeah. I think that, he did. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm well, pretty he, sure he was supposed to play Superman in the Kevin Smith um, right. Superman. God, that can you imagine happened. that? Oh, I wish it would have happened. <laughs> I've seen, like, production stuff from it. Uh. Man, that would have been amazing. Uh. God, that would have been so good. I don't know. Like, it, I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I think by the end of this, I'm really going to dislike. I already like don't have like f- f- fond feelings necessarily for Nicolas Cage, but I think I'm going to end up really disliking Nicolas Cage at the end of this. It's funny because I really find myself like rooting for the guy. Like every time I start a movie, I'm like, man, I hope this is good. <laughs> and when it's bad, or when he's, especially when he's bad, like because sometimes he's in bad movies, but he gives a fine performance. But when he's bad, like, I, I, it's almost like. Well, see, when he's bad, I think, and it's a bad movie, that's what makes these funny. Right. This, it doesn't sound like he was necessarily bad. It's just no, a it's bad, just a bad movie, movie. Yeah. And a weird movie. Yeah. A so, really uncomfortable. Right. Really yeah. out of place. So what's going, what's, what's up, what's up next? Like, what's next week? Um, I kind of want to talk about Mandy next week, because I don't know if that'll ever make a list, and I really like that movie. Um, oh, is this a good Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah, good good right. performance and good movie. Hmm. Um, we could talk about Snake Eyes, which is a really bad <laughs> performance and a really bad movie. No, there, there's got to be good ones. I'm I also, so, while, so. We'll, we'll say it's going to be a surprise because I'm also going to watch Ghost Rider tomorrow. Hmm. And I may not be able to help myself to talk about Ghost Rider because that movie is amazing. Yeah. Yes, it's. I never. Sam Elliott's in there, right? Yeah, he plays like other Ghost Rider, like mentor Ghost Rider. Gotcha. Old West Ghost Rider, oh, I guess, fuck. is the Sam Elliott character. Gotcha. I like which, Sam Elliott. Which is a real thing in like the Marvel comic mythos. Like there was a Ghost Rider who rode on a horse and Gotcha. I don't his like head didn't catch on fire, I don't think, but he was like a supernatural like <laughs> Avenger. Right. And Johnny Blaze is the one that, you know, 
flaming skull and everything right um it's a really bad movie okay well um we'll we'll leave it up in the air then so but uh, look they got some of them got to be good sometimes i guess so yeah i just want to hear about the bad ones maybe we'll like keep with the bad ones until i mean i don't know if you ever run out of bad ones he's made so many movies oh there's only so many movies god i like i have this whole playlist of Nicolas cage on prime like my 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 list on prime is just all nick cage movies now and there's one like he plays an ambulance driver again like after bringing out the dead like i guess he goes back to that well and there's like 16 movies where he's a recently paroled con who's looking for revenge on the people that put him in jail i mean swear to god that's like or he's a reformed con that has to go back to his bad ways because somebody fucked with his family. Mm. Like, that was a movie from a few years ago that ended up being really, really fucking bad. Right. This is a, you were trying, you were telling me all fair at some point, you think, he, you think he's trying to be Liam Neeson? Yeah. Recently? Le- sure. Somebody. Yeah. He's trying to be somebody other than Nicolas Cage. Right. Or it's just like one of those things where you'd have like a popular movie, like when Transformers made a lot of money and they had those, um, what was that knockoff series that Walmart has all the DVDs of? It's like Transmorphers or something like that, okay. I think is what they call it. Okay. But it's like, that's Nicolas Cage. Is like, Taken makes a lot of money, so the Nicolas Cage is just cast in every ripoff of Taken. Yeah. And it's just like, who are we going to get? Like, <laughs> there's Nicolas Cage, like, let's get him. Or um, Gerard Butler. Gerard Weird. Butler's in a lot of those, mm-hmm. too. Gotcha. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right, so that's our episode for the night. Um uh we will be back next week with uh mystery movie yeah surprise <laughs> and uh probably ghost rider th- <laughs> thank you everyone we've had a lot of uh, uh warm reception so far for the series um and i was a little maybe incredulous like in the beginning of it but um i'm glad people are enjoying it and um yeah i'm starting to look forward to listening to uh stupid uh movies that nicholas cage does now yeah i've, I've watched a lot yeah. so all right thank you for listening have, have a, a good night have a good night <laughs>